to you with the natural goodness of Viridian Nutrition, available at Browns. I'm Trudy Kerr and welcome to The Interviewer. In this series, I talk to artists, campaigners, men and women of influence, musicians, performers, sportsmen and women, politicians, business, men and women and anyone who shapes the fabric of our society. Today, I'm bringing you the last in the Men in Music series. Today's guest is an award-winning artist and producer who has been nominated and won a vast number of awards, both locally but also internationally. He's produced music for top artists including Christina Novelli, Ira Losco, Jay Joy, Scream Daisy, Thomas Headley, Alvin G, Matt Funk, Lindsay. He has performed alongside DJs such as Avicii, Faithless, Armin Van Buren, Chicane, David Guetta, her sister Bliss, Dubfire. And he has produced music for international television and film. Welcome, Toby <laughs> Music, Toby Faruja. Hi, thank you. I forget all these things. <laughs> That's only half of it. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch more. I mean, you have a massive, massive resume. Uh, yeah, what I've put down on that, probably. So there's a lot more stuff which I never really had time to put in, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to kick off by asking you a very basic question. Sure. Toby Music. Yeah. What do you actually do? Well, I'm a music producer. Before this, I obviously was a DJ as well. I still am a DJ just on uh, special occasions, let's say that. And um, Weddings well, and Christmas. No, no weddings and Christmas. <laughs> Special events, that's it. <laughs> Sorry, I had it's to slip okay. that one in. It's okay. Um, I was always a music producer, but I used to play with bands as well before that. I mean, I started when I was a kid playing piano, I touched every instrument, then I played drums with a number of bands. Then I got fed up playing with bands, so I started music production. Um, I was always into electronic, even when I used to play bands like metal, rock, and whatever genre I used to play before. But I always used to love electronic music as well, so I get bored a bit. Uh, it takes time for me to get bored of something, but when I do, then I want to move on to something else, you know? So that's why when I produce, I produce for a lot of different genres, you know, because it gets a bit monotonous just doing electronic or house music, so. Well, let me come to this question then, because I know your family. Yeah. You have a very <laughs> varied skill set within your family. Yeah, that's true. But you're the only musician, are you not? Um, my family, well, no. My mum's a soprano. My dad was a tenor and he plays keyboards as well. So, and my dad's probably the biggest influence for me to be in music because I was young. He was always playing records of uh, Mike Oldfield, Boney M, Sting, uh, The Police, I mean... Um, so this is where it comes from? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I used to scratch on his LPs, you know, as a kid, so I'd, like, piss him off. <laughs> I was about to say, that's, that's not a popular thing to do with no, your dad's LPs. Really. No, not really. And still probably has all of them, actually. The ones which are left untouched, let's say that. <laughs> because, of course, once you scratch a record, that's yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah. Absolutely... You're going to have that bump on every time you play the song, so, yeah. What are you doing right now? You talked about what you've done in the past, but yeah. right now, what does Toby Music do? Well, I'm a full-time music producer. Um, I produce both locally and internationally. Um, more for other artists than myself. I do release the odd track here and there when I have the time, but it's mostly for other artists and singers and... Um, uh, yeah. 
So I'm going to break that down even further. Mm -hmm. If you're a music producer, mm -hmm. what does a music producer do? Well, I'm a composer and a producer because I write a lot of the songs from scratch. Sometimes it's even including the vocal melodies and the lyrics as well. And then the artist just basically copies them. You know what I mean? So it's a production from scratch. But then again, I work with artists who are well-known singers and they have their own talent, obviously, which they write their own melodies and lyrics as well. And then I just make the music for them. So it either works vice versa, like they send me the music, uh, the vocals that they've sung or just a demo. And then I build the music track for that. Or sometimes I do it from scratch. I build them the music and then they add the vocals to that as well. So it works in different ways. Yeah. So what happens after you've produced the track? Where does it go from there? Well, it all depends on who the artist is, because if it's someone locally, unfortunately, there isn't that much um, where they can expose their music. It's very hard for them to break through, especially abroad, unless you have a marketing agency and uh, a good lawyer and a record label as well to, to take you on and do all the dirty work for you. Which nowadays, if you build your own uh, basic followers, you know what I mean? You can do everything alone, so you don't even need a label, to be honest, but you'll need the money to expose yourself. So the labels, what they do mainly is use their money to promote and market the, the artist, you know? So that's why it, one of the main reasons why it's good to be with a label, because there are a lot of bad reasons to be signed to labels. In fact, I'm, I'm, I have publishing deals with like uh, Sony and EMI but I have the rights to produce whatever I want, work with whoever I want, and release other tracks with other labels as well. So they can't tie me down and say like, no, you can only work with us and that's it, you know? So that's a good loophole to, to be flexible, you know? That's a fantastic position to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, music has changed. You just mentioned before about what artists need to come yeah. to the table with, these ready packages. And I'd heard in a recent interview mm -hmm. uh, that and if an artist is gonna come to a label, they already have to have 50,000 followers and they already yeah. have to have their image yeah, and they have to have people appreciating them. Yeah, because they want half of the work done from before, so the label doesn't have to do all that work, you know. Before it used to be, okay, you do have the odd artist who they will find in a garage and really believe in him and do everything for him, but it's rarely the case. Nowadays, they just want an artist who is already well established in their own country have a good following, have a good uh, reputation, marketing campaign behind them as well, number of followers as well. So that um, does all the, the steps for them to actually push the guy or girl further, you know what I mean? So it's obviously doing a lot of the work for the label beforehand. That's why they like that. But does this get the best music? No, definitely not. There are loads of musicians and artists who are so much better than who is out there at the moment, you know what I mean? They just never get heard. Because they don't have the following? Mainly because they are artists and they just want to make their music and they don't care if it's going to be heard by other people or they're going to make money off it, which is very, not, not, not rare, but unfortunately the scene has really changed the artist's mentality and they all want to be famous and they want to be heard by everyone and be in the public eye. So that they lose their identity of their music and their talent, which they actually really want to write about, you know, because they have to follow the scene, you know, which sucks, but that comes with the business. But when did this change? Because I can recall when I was growing up, you know, you talk about the LPs scratching the LPs. Yeah, yes, yeah. I grew no, up with we've LPs. We've come a as well. long way from that, man. I mean, even when I started, times have changed at least five times. When I started, it was more about the artist and um, having their own uh, image, their own music and being different from everybody else. 
now it's just become a really market marketing manufacturing machine it's like if you don't do this music you're probably gonna stay making music in your bedroom so let me be really brutal then do yeah. you sit within that framework or you try to fight that framework I always leave it up to the artist. Like when the artist comes into the studio, the first thing I ask them is, what do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? Where do you want to be with your music, you know? So I get artists who say, I don't give a rat's ass about um, what's happening out there, whatever. I want to get my message out. I love what I do and that's it. And I'm like, cool, fair enough. I, I love these people completely. But then I remember that I remind them that we had this conversation in the beginning so they can't come back and say, hey, why is my song not on the radio? Because if you want to be on the radio, unfortunately, you have to follow trades, man. Yeah, that's how bad it's become. Man. And what is that recipe? Summarize that recipe for me of a track that is going to get on the radio. Well, it's got to have to have a very commercial hook, something which people want to sing along to, something which people want to hear, something a song which is not more than two and a half three minutes it's become that fast yeah there's no time for long songs on radio anymore so all the songs are all cut down to two and a half three minutes maximum this is both local radio and oh, international yes, of course, radio of course. international probably even more yeah in fact what you hear on the radio the radio edits are always shorter than the original version so what you'd be hearing on the radio would be cut down sometimes even in half, you know, just to be made for purpose of marketing to be played on radio, you know. We're going to come back to your role as a producer in sure. just a second. But yeah. before we get there, you mentioned a whole bunch of different areas within music that you have experimented in or been part of. And yeah. I read your resume of the people that you played alongside and the people that you've produced. What has been the highlight, the big thing in your career? Um, okay, music production-wise, I'd say signing to EMI because that was such a great feeling because I had sent them a track like two years prior and they called me back two years later and said, hey, Toby, how are you doing? You remember you sent us those tracks like two years ago? Yeah, which I had already scrapped and threw in the bin. I thought they were awful. So, And then they were like, yeah, yeah we want to sign these songs, you know, and I'm like, Okay, have you heard my new stuff? You know, <laughs> so I send them the new stuff, and they're like, "Okay, let's sign twelve tracks, man." You know, so wow, yeah, yeah, they signed twelve tracks, man. This was awesome, man. <laughs> okay, so that that's the highlight. Yeah. yeah, that's the highlight of the music productions. I mean, there's a lot of others working with artists, big artists, and stuff like that as well. I mean, I I ghost produce for a lot of big artists abroad as well, where my name will never be shown, obviously for contract reasons and whatever. But as long as I'm making music, I really don't care. You know, I don't do it for the money, so. As long, as long as I'm producing the songs, it's fine. <laughs> Every single person in this series, Men in Music, has yeah. said exactly the same thing. Yeah. Now, of course, the money is great. Yeah. And I'm fairly sure... As long as you sure, can pay the bills, it's fine. Man. Yeah, I'm fairly sure when one of those big royalties <laughs> come in, you know, you get a bit of a smile on your face. Well, it, it makes the work worthwhile because you're... I mean, it, this, this started off as a hobby. So to get paid for doing your hobby is pretty fantastic. It's really hard as it's struggled. I've been through a lot of ups and lows, obviously, with a lot of self-employed businesses and stuff. But when you're doing something which you really love doing, it's, it's pretty fantastic. And there's no, no age limit to it, you know what I mean? It's 
not like you're a footballer and you've got a career and at like 30, 35 you're done. You're so that's fantastic. Well, I was talking to Javen last week about Paul Oakenfold being yeah. 58. My, yeah, it's crazy. You still got a bit of time there, my friend. Yeah. Have I you? Th- yes, Have I was you? 60, I think, actually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> well, yes, I've got time left. All right, thank you. Not that old yet. I thought I got away with that one. I thought, Toby, I managed to slip that one in. Listen, this summer you produced a song with Armani and Destiny yeah. that was a rework yeah. of the 2011 song Pump Up the Jam. I, when I heard it, and mm-hmm. I love that track, I love the original, but awesome. I love what you've done. Awesome. I, I was thinking that Pump Up the Jam was like way, way back in the 90, you know, 1950s yeah, yeah, yeah. or there's something. A, there's but a it's good not. story behind that, actually. Tell me. Because I uh, actually, I produced the track, which I was just fiddling around with some sounds when I had a break, basically, in the studio. And it just came to me. I mean, I was making the song, and the, the, the lyrics of Pump of the Jam just kept coming into my head. I just threw them on there, threw the a cappella on, and it just matched perfectly. I didn't even need to change any notes or anything. Just a bit of tweaking on the BPM, because it was much slower back in the 80s, so, but it fit perfectly. So I contacted the label as well, and I spoke to, to Tecno- Technotronic as well, who are the original Pump Up the Jam guys. To be honest, the singer didn't really like the idea because she's really into a different style and obviously this is more electronic than, uh, than R&B and, and rap, you know, which they, they used to do, let's say that. So they said, why don't you get another singer to sing on it and we'll see how that goes. So we, ap- we approached Destiny and, uh, and Howard and, well, basically she sang on the track. We sent it back to the label and the label uh, loved it and they're releasing it worldwide. Um, in October. So they said, we said, uh, why don't we just test it out in Malta, you know, just to see the feedback and see what people say about it. And they're like, yeah, for sure, you know, just keep it exclusively for Malta so it can't be heard abroad or distributed on Spotify or whatever. So we released it here and it's going to be out worldwide. But and it's going to be out this month. It's going to be yeah, out in October. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. This is cool. incredible. And and taking Destiny. Yeah, to a different level, different scene and level from, as well. We all remember Destiny in the UK yeah. on the talent show. Yeah. And now she's here pumping up the jam. Yep. <laughs> this is incredible. This is amazing. What was the brainstorming session like when you sent down with, with Destiny and also with Armani? And, and did you have to convince them? Were there changes? Was there any? Did Destiny put anything? Armani made any changes? Or was it just um, straight as Toby wanted it? No, well, when I worked with Armani, then we did some tweaking and changed some sounds and stuff like that. And then we sent it to Destiny and... Um, Destiny just recorded the different layers of vocals and I just put them all together and it just came together beautifully, you know? I mean, it, she, her voice is fantastic. Absolutely. I'm really excited to see where this goes. Thank you, y- me too. I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> me you're, you're predicting this to be yeah, a big one. I, I never do that. I mean, whatever happens, happens. It's cool, it's whatever. But even though it's getting signed to a big label, it's already something cool, you know, so. I love it. <laughs> talk to me about the impact of the pandemic because just before we sat down to talk you yeah. said this has been absolutely brilliant for you and yeah. and you must be fairly unique in that respect because we've yeah. had a very tough time and Joven was saying that the music industry and artists have been hit harder than any other industry no, during the pandemic. Totally, I agree completely and I mean I'd never said that in an offensive way because I know how hard it was for friends of mine who are artists and singers and were swearing their ass off, you know, not being able to get any money or perform or whatever. For me, number one, it didn't really change much because I'm always in the studio anyway. So 
if there was a pandemic or not, unless I'm meeting artists, I wouldn't even really know. But so the it didn't pandemic make... <laughs> just passed you by. It's true. But the great thing was that so many people had so much time on their hands. So everyone was writing, you know what I mean? And making songs. And I mean, they, I was working like a nut, nut, nut case. Yeah, so it was fairly good on me. I put it that way. But commercially, has it been successful? Because I think this is where a lot of people from the music industry and the arts industry yeah. have found it, you know, whether they... And, and in fairness, what you've just said there is very different mm -hmm. from what Joven said last week. And Joven said last week yep. that because of the pandemic, because of not being able to play on a stage, because of not being able to get out there, mm -hmm. a lot of artists were getting depressed or they were of getting course. dark and they were getting a block. 100%, 100%, yeah. But uh, on the other hand, a lot of artists had free time to write about this crap that's going on. And a lot of productive songs came out of that time that if they were performing all the time, they wouldn't have written as much because they wouldn't have the time to do it. So at least they had more time to do that. Of course, yes, not being able to show off your talents and uh, play the songs that you're actually recording or whatever, obviously is gonna make a difference. But I'm saying this is a music producer side, not as an artist or a DJ, because for a DJ it was a disaster, you know what I mean? I wasn't performing anywhere either, so I can let alone imagine for Joven, that would mean not. But as a music producer, yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I'm always stuck in the studio anyway, so, and there was a lot, lot more work to do. Well, you have voiced the same opinion of the very first person I interviewed for the interview, which was Matthew James, who you oh, know very, yeah. very well, yeah, yeah. who guy. actually said the same thing. Once he'd gotten over that initial shock, he was in the studio and he was working yeah. nine, yeah. nine till nine, yeah. right the way around the clock and having a great time. But of course, we have just touched on the fact that the pandemic has affected live music, affected the events, mm -hmm. and, and, and ultimately, that's where artists want to be at. Even of as a course. producer, you want to see that happening. Yes, for sure. I'm going to ask the same question to you that I've asked three times already in this mm -hmm. series. 2019, an absolutely incredible year for music, for music in Malta, for yeah. events in Malta. Yeah. Uh, do you think we'll get back there? I think slowly, slowly we're getting back there. Um, it's going to take a while to be exactly how it was before. But I think eventually, yeah, we'll get... I mean, COVID's not really ever going to be gone. Let's put it that way. Uh, so it's just adapting to it. We're, but we're getting over it pretty fast. Abroad, they're getting over it faster than us as well. We're doing it more precautiously, which I kind of agree on as well. It sucks for people who have to wait until it's completely gone and do what they were doing exactly before, you know. But I think at the end, we will come out stronger, I think. I hope so. Yeah. And, and I hope that we do get back to 2019 yeah, because it sure. was a phenomenal year yeah, for the industry. For sure. I asked Howard Keith this question and now I'm going to ask you the same one. We've seen outstandingly talented artists hit the scene and fade away as quickly as they came. Yeah. And we've seen songs released that should do well but don't last more than a few plays. Mm -hmm. And then we've seen artists like Ed Sheeran, for instance, which I mentioned before, who from an aesthetic angle really shouldn't be one mm -hmm. of the most successful artists of our era. So I'm asking you the same question. Yeah. There are some songs, such as the song I just mentioned, Matthew James, you produced with Matthew, yeah. Don't Let the Sun Go Down. Yeah. Still, I heard it again today, still sounds as fresh as the first time I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> what is the formula? What is the recipe for success? Well, let's put it this way. In my job, it's really hard because you have to keep up to date 
weekly. You know what I mean? The sounds change from one week to another. You can date a song by just hearing it on the radio and you say, oh, that was 2019, that was 2008. Let, okay, maybe more me, but you can actually see the difference of the sounds. That's why a lot of songs sound the same, because they evolve with that time and the era and everyone is using the same sounds, the same producers, the same productions. That's why so many songs on the radio sound the same. Um, one, because they're getting more manufactured, so they want that kind of criteria, obviously, to be played on radio, whereas beforehand it was, there was more freedom, let's put it that way. But music has become so fast-paced that everything changes from one week to another. That's why songs don't last on the radio. It's just too fast-paced. Going back to, again to something that Howard Keith said, mm -hmm. the, the way that people are approaching the music industry now yeah. also means that there's not a longevity. You've got young kids coming into the industry who have high expectations, think they're going to... You see, you're rolling your eyes, so you absolutely obviously think the same yes, thing. Yes, of course. So that's because, unfortunately, that's what they want. You know what I mean? Before, it used to be the artist wants to make his own music, and all well and good if people like it. He's doing it for himself. And what's going to happen with it? Whatever. People nowadays just want to do the music, to be known, to be famous, to get out there. Not everyone, let's put it that way. But unfortunately, a lot of the music, and that's why radio stations, for example, have to choose what they play. And a lot of good songs don't get played on the radio because they don't meet that criteria. So it's very hard for artists to actually understand this, that you have to be a certain type of artist to be played on radio. That's for the pop scene. So it's always the first question that I always ask an artist, where do you want to go with this song? But you, as a producer, yeah. you would have the experience and the know-how of how to identify a world-class artist. Oh, yes, that of, course, of course. What is exactly that formula? Is, is it the image? Is it the vocals? Is it the, the vision? It, if you could kind of put it into a nutshell for anybody that's listening who wants to be a world-class artist. The thing is, nowadays, if you have the money, you can really get heard and seen. You know what I mean? It's all, not, not all about the money, but the money is a very big issue because it's more about the marketing. Why do you think all these crap songs get so famous? Because they have so much money pumped in behind them that they get so huge and you'd be like i would never listen to this song on, on my stereo you know? but still they make it huge because there's a big marketing campaign or label behind them who push them and it because sometimes that song is different from everything else which is happening out there you know? there isn't a, 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 you can't open a book and say okay let's follow this step and we're gonna have a, a hit it's never really the case you can use the guidelines and go towards that but sometimes you can have a great singer and the song will be crap. Sometimes you can have a crap song and the singer will be great. So you never know. And sometimes you can have a singer who's singing, um, I don't know, a lullaby and the song will be a hit. So there's never really a huge formula which you can say, okay, let's go, let's do this and this is gonna be a, a hit. But as you as a producer, do you know when, that, when you can hear that magic, when you hear yeah, it? Yeah, I do. Doesn't mean it's gonna be famous, but I know when an artist is a proper artist and wow, this guy can go somewhere. And I'm working with a couple at the moment who are still kids and they've never had any training or anything. And I'm like, where the hell did you come from? Man? Just like, you must have had classical training. And like, never sang before. <laughs> Jesus, you Seriously? Know? Yeah, yeah, I'm working with this artist right now and she is like Billie Eilish times 50. Are, you yeah, are yeah, we yeah. talking about somebody locally or? She's foreign, but she lives in Malta. It's, I'm not going to say any no, names for course. now. No, you just giving me yeah. that glare, like truly, you're not asking me anything else. Well, and you actually know the dad. 
<laughs> I'm now sitting here trying to wreck my You're brain. You know the dad, yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm going to let you go on that one. I'm not going to push too hard. because You'll be the first to hear that one. Yes, I hope so. But... <laughs> If that's the case, going back again, you know, I'm, I'm referring to what, because you're the last in this series, I'm referring to what people have said before. Yeah. Howard, I said to Howard, is there any chance that an Ed Sheeran will come out of Malta, the equivalent? Because Malta has this incredible talent. Yes, for and sure. He, but he point blank said it's unlikely. Well, there's a lot of talent in Malta and we've come a really long way since when I started, that's for sure. I mean, if, if I hear the songs which I produced for people back in the day, and I heard now there's no comparison, absolutely. And that's how you notice how far we've come when you hear a song on the radio and you can't tell if it's local or foreign. That's, that's one of the, the tricks of the trade, to, not to sound foreign, but to be as good as the foreign artists. So, yeah, but it's very hard. And, and, and unless you're lucky or you have someone to guide you to get where you should be, it's very hard for an artist to get worldwide fame. Well, I'm going to ask you as a producer right now to offer a word of wisdom to anybody who is interested in yeah. getting into the music industry. What, what would be those pointers? What would that be that thing? We've talked about a lot about what the great yeah. artists yeah. sound like, what they look like. But if you could say, okay, here's my advice. Yeah, well, I say this to absolutely anyone who steps into the studio. Do it because you love to do it. Or do something else. If you don't love to do it, that's why I'm very picky with who I work with. I don't just record with any artist who comes into the studio, forget it. No, I have to hear their demos before and see how good they are and whatever and what they want to do. It takes a lot more than just recording an artist, you know, especially if they want my help to, to, to be published and whatever. So definitely, if they're not doing it because they enjoy doing what they're doing, I probably wouldn't even work with them. Well, let me be brutal, because you just went back and you said a lot of money it, it goes into the industry. That's what create, great, creates great artists. How do you turn that down? If someone comes in and they, they don't I don't do it for the money. I don't do it for the money. Forget it. There's no way. So no, you can't be bought. No, no, I've turned down tons of artists to work with, for sure. <laughs> yeah, if I did, I'd be making music like cheesecakes, man. <laughs> we'll never see you out of the studio and the pandemic will have gone and everything I else I don't get out gone. like this, so imagine if I did accept everyone who came. <laughs> no, but it's definitely, I mean, I do it because I love doing it, you know. If I didn't, I'd be a carpenter or whatever, you know, do something else. If you don't love it, don't do it. Toby, who do you listen to when you're driving your car? Yeah. Who do you think, whether it's a current artist or an no. artist? Yeah, well, my, my girlfriend hates it, but it's Enigma on repeat all the time. Man. <laughs> Very different, but I love the productions he does. And um, I've followed him since I was a kid. So, so it's always been enigma. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I wholeheartedly approve. I'm yeah, just going to give I you the, I mean, the truly seal of approval. Yeah. But always, always. Yeah, it's always enigma. Our silence. Sometimes after I've been working for so long in the studio, I don't want to hear absolutely anything, you know. It's even hard for me to go and watch a movie because I dissect the music into 50 pieces, you know. It's horrible. I'll have to watch the film again just to know the story, you know. So have you been <laughs> to see Bond? Or you're not going not to see yet. Bond? No, no, I actually, I enjoy Bond, but I'm not a Bond fan, you know, but I enjoy Good it. music. Yeah, yeah, well, Let's yeah. talk about that for a second because you do do music for film and, yeah. and TV. Now, that sounds to me like that's probably a very, very different job. Completely, yeah. What is that like? For anybody... I love it. I love it. I mean, as I said before, that's, I get bored doing just one genre or one, one style. Uh, so when it comes to soundtracks for movies, I just dive into it. I love being on the set and seeing and getting inspiration, you know, and speaking to the 
the actors and whatever, you know, and the director and getting his point of view. Sometimes I even make the music before I've actually seen the picture and send it to them and they say, wow, it's like exactly what we're thinking. So that's pretty cool. I love it. I love doing music to pictures as well. So and creating the ambience and the mood for it. How much freedom do you get to do that? Because I would have thought, and I mean this with the greatest amount mm -hmm. of respect, doing that to a visual that's already created mm -hmm. is kind of being like a musical prostitute. No, because you still have the freedom to create and make that mood of the scene. So at the end of the day, the music creates the mood more than the visual. In my opinion, I'd say, my humble opinion, let's say it. But um, no, I, I, it depends because obviously it depends on the, the movie or the documentary you're, you're writing for. So it obviously you have to make the sound abiding to what you're seeing on visual. So you are limited to a certain extent. But then if you get the freedom and they tell you, we just want you to do what you love doing. And if it works, you know, then we'll tweak whatever. Any TV or film that you've done that you're particularly proud of? Um, I've done a few, uh, let's say not whole movies. I've done a lot of shots, for example, like Macbeth. Um, I had a shot in that. And uh, the part in Mad Max as well, something, yeah. <laughs> Toby what? Yeah, yeah, just... Mad Max? Yeah, yeah, just small... The Mad Max? Yeah, yeah, just small scenes. <laughs> Looking at you now with your tattoos and your beard, I can completely... <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be in that movie. <laughs> exactly, I can imagine you doing that in Mad Max. This is amazing. This is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's fun. A last question for you. Mm -hmm. You've been an incredible guest, but my last question for you, apart from that track coming out with Destiny yeah. and Amani, what else is coming up for you? In the, You have such a twinkle in your eye. I have a feeling that you've got a good <laughs> six months to a year ahead. I've, I've got tons of new stuff coming out, especially for other artists. I'm working on some, some great artists, albums for artists as well, which will be coming out with some releases shortly as well. Um, stuff of my own is uh, I've got a new track coming out with a label in England as well that will be out shortly as well more on the mainstream side of things so it's a bit different to what you're usually hearing from me and this is completely done on purpose because I just wanted to prove the point that for your songs to be on the radio you have to do this criteria so yeah this is one for the for, for something different you know but actually following exactly what they want, but not in the same way, so. And this is going to be a commercial it's version It's completely of... commercial, man. <laughs> I really want to hear that. I really do. Uh, and I, I mean, I had such a laugh doing it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and this it. will be played locally as well as... Yeah, yeah, it will be played here as well. And, and I'm actually singing on the song as well. <laughs> You'd never tell. You'd never tell, but yeah. Toby, you have been the very best guest to finish this series of Men in Music in Malta. Yeah. Toby, thank you so thank much you. for being thank part of the interview. Thank you for having me, man. I loved it. Thank you.